I want to talk to you about receiving faith. How to receive what He has promised. How to receive what He has purposed. The emphasis too long has been on getting God to give instead of getting us to the place of faith that we can receive what He's already purposed and really already provided. It's an important message, and I have to slow down to preach it so that I can teach a little bit today. And I want to thank you for being back. Amen. And she brought her Bible and everything. Praise God. We're glad that you're here today. Praise the Lord. God wants you to receive. Make no mistake about it. I used to hesitate to pray uh, the prayer of faith over some people because I knew that they were really messed up. And they, they you know, I, 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 I didn't realize that when you pray for anything for yourself or for anyone, there's only one throne that you can bring them to. To pray in prayer. Only one place. And it's called the throne of grace. If you try to come any other way, the devil will disqualify you from receiving from God. He will do his best to disqualify you from receiving from God. Amen. He will do it. And he won't just do it concerning someone else that he will tell you they don't deserve to be healed. Look at that. Well, they don't deserve to be healed. Well, you know what? You keep on thinking that way and you get away from the throne of grace. He's going to convince you when you have a problem that you don't deserve to be forgiven and you don't deserve to be restored. See, I love the way God wants to deal with the whole person, not just your need for healing or help, but your need for forgiveness and the reestablishment of reconciliation, a res restored, reconciled relationship with God. Uh, if there be any sick, the Bible said in James 5.14, let them call the elders of the church, let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up, and he's not done. And he's not done. The scripture doesn't stop. He's not done. You just don't stop and put a period where God didn't put one. Can you say Amen. You don't just then say, okay, let's everybody that needs healing get in line. We're going to pray for the sick. It says something else. He's not done. There's no period there. We put the period there. We don't go on and read the rest of it. Well, let's read the rest of it. If there be any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord shall raise them up. And if they've committed any sin, it shall be forgiven them. He said, you know what I want to do? If there's a disqualifying factor in their life to keep them from receiving, I want to, I want to deal with that right there because I want, to, I want to heal them. I want to help them. I want to forgive them so that there's nothing the devil can use to accuse them with. I want to do it there. See, this, this idea that this three-letter word that you dare not say in many circles, S-I-N, sin, God, God doesn't stutter when he says it's a sin. Amen. He says it loud and he says it clear. Amen. There's nothing wrong with getting right with God. Can you say amen? If it gets something out of the way that would hinder us from receiving, we ought to be... Well, what did Jesus tell the church of Laodicea that was laden with such sin it made him sick to his stomach? This is not the door of an individual heart, although we can use that for an individual heart. The first part of that, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. But he said, I know thy works. Thou sayest, 
This is the way you judge yourself. Thou sayest, I'm rich and I'm increased with goods and I have need of nothing. But I say unto you that you're poor, miserable, blind, and naked. Buy of me gold tried in the fire that you might be rich. Buy of me white raiment that you might be clothed and the shame of your nakedness does not appear. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. See what? This is spiritual insight to your own spiritual true condition. Amen? God wants you to see yourself in your true spiritual condition. And He don't want it to put you, you know, to get you in a state of constant condemnation. He wants whatever is wrong to be made right so it will open the door for you to receive. If there's a sin issue, He wants it settled. He wants to do business with you and me. Can you say man? That's why the blood of Jesus, if they've committed any sin... See, the, the result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it reaches the world. The Holy Spirit is convicting the world. When He comes, He will convict the world of sin and of unrighteousness and of judgment. And He's come, and He's doing that. And conviction is uncomfortable. But it is a God thing, and it is a good thing. Because if I'm convicted of my sin, the Bible said if I say I have none, I don't recognize it and realize it and do what God said to do about it. If I say I have no sin, the Bible said I'm a liar and I'm not walking in truth. The heart is deceitfully wicked, desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? God knows it. And if you'll open your heart to Him, He'll reveal the deepest, darkest places of our heart. And if there's, some, if there's unforgiveness, He'll say, I'd love, to, I'd love you to receive, but you can't receive unless you can forgive. And I want you to do that right now to open the door because it's for your good and my glory. You see, when God touches you and God touches me and God blesses me and God blesses you, God helps me and God helps you and God heals me and God heals you. Amen. Hallelujah. He gets glory. He gets glory. When I come in here with a testimony, look what the Lord has done. Dale, we used to sing it, didn't we? Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He saved my soul. He saved me just in time. Hallelujah. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Publish His doings in your life. Personally, publish His doings among the people. David said He lifted me from the miry clay. He put my feet upon a rock. He put a song in my heart. A song of praise. The humble shall hear thereof. And they will be glad. They will take courage because they will know God is not only on the throne. God, God answers prayer. God bends low. God comes down. Hallelujah. God gets glory. And we get the good. See, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold on His willingness. And when our faith to receive meets His will to grant something, to give something, there's nothing going to stop that. 
And the devil knows God. There's no circumstance can stop God. My son and I talked about the election. And my son said, that's short of a, you know, a, a Noah's Ark type of miracle. You know, a Noah's Ark. Yeah. Said, well, what, what, what could God even do? You know, what could God do? I said, he can do the impossible. That's what he can do. Well, I don't know what in the world could, you know, in other words, it don't matter who gets in, it's going to be a mess. So, what? well, what about God? I said, son, there's too many people praying. And God is on the throne. And God's bigger than politics. And God's bigger than politicians. And God's bigger than Hillary. And believe it or not, He's bigger than Trump. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I don't know what His plan is. I ran through some scenarios of what could happen uh, to change everything. Amen. Trump could get sick. And the vice president become the president. Hillary could have a breakdown. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know one thing. I know that we serve a prayer answering God who says He sits on the circle of the earth. Did you know if they'd read the Bible, they wouldn't have had to figure out that the world was round. My great-grandma thought it was flat. She thought it was flat till the day she died. Amen. You couldn't prove to her, you know, because she read a scripture about God, uh, the, the four winds coming from the four parts of the earth, and they just saw this flat, you know, you go out so far and you drop off somewhere. But the Bible said in the Old Covenant, He sits up on the circle of the earth. That means He's bigger than anything that's occurring in this world. He said, heaven is my throne. And earth, your, your planet, that's my footstool. Just trying to give us an idea of the greatness and the glory of God. Hallelujah. And He said, where's the house you'll build to me? Amen. What can, what can contain me? A God this great and this glorious that the universe can't hold. And we can't even describe His greatness and His glory. We're praying to that God. And that God is not going to be restricted by politicians and politics and science and logic and everything else. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. So it doesn't really, right at this point, there's been more prayer going up than any previous time. And I said, son. And I'm saying it again, and I feel the unction to say it. Something is going to occur in answer to prayer that we did not expect, that no one could have possibly foreseen. But there is a scripture that says this. If my people, which are, we got some power down here. Can you say, man, we are not down here helpless. Can you say, man, if my people, which are called by my name, there's an awesome power invested in His people. This was old covenant. We got much more than they had. But they had enough to have this scripture, amen, declared unto them to challenge them. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, I will... and and. And seek my face. Oh, by the way, don't, don't just pray for the election. Because it says, turn from your wicked way. Turn from their wicked way. Well, Brother Bimble, I, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with the girls that do. Well, good for you. Can you say, I'm not talking about some of these 
outward things. I'm talking about these things, these inner things in the heart. Did you know when I walk in my way without consulting him, it's a wicked way. Amen. And he said, my ways are not your ways. My ways are as far above your ways as the heavens are above the earth. But if we will bow to Him and we will look to Him and we will serve no other God but Him, He will reveal His ways unto us and He will say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And all we have to do is follow through. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Turning from our wicked way is the, is the epitome of what repentance means. Repentance doesn't mean pr- praying some alligator tears at an altar and going back to the same old lifestyle and behavior. It's not even just saying, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. It's not just asking forgiveness. If you're on a road and you do what the Bible says in repentance, it's a 180 degree turn. Amen. It means you turn around and face the other way. If you're on the wrong way and you know it, until you turn around, you turn around. When you turn around and take one step toward the Lord... What's the song say? He'll take two steps toward you. All of heaven's resources will be yours when you turn around. How did repentance that brings restoration and forgiveness of sin that puts us in a position to have receiving faith, how did that get such a negative spin on it? Amen. Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, I know your works. I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Can I give you what the Greek really means? What he really said? I'm going to barf. I'm going to vomit. You make me that sick when you're in that spiritual condition. And he went on to tell them what they needed. And then he said this profound statement. As many as I love, I tell the truth like this. I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Do it with zeal. You see, most people don't have faith to receive because at that critical point of believing, and when you pray is when that has to occur, not after you pray. You don't start standing on the Word after you pray to get an answer. Thank you for the hearty amens. You know I'm going to read your scripture, so you can't argue with me. So you might as well say amen me. When you pray, believe that you have those things. When you pray, when you pray, this has to occur when you're praying. So faith to receive has to be brought into your life before you pray, not after you. You don't pray and then try to believe. You believe when you pray. Whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, when is it occurring? When you pray, you shall receive. When do you start believing? After you pray, you try to muster up some faith and, and, and cause that. No, when you pray, believe. I love the way David saw God before he prayed and when he prayed. David said, The very day that I pray. I don't wait to see. I don't try to believe. I believe when I pray. The day that I pray, my enemies turn back. Well, David, how do you know? Have you seen them turn back? He said, don't have to see it. Don't have to see it. 
I believe it when I pray it. So I don't have to see it. I'm going to see it because I believe it. But I believe it before I see it. While we look not at the things which are seen, for they are temporal, subject to change. We look at the things which are unseen, for they are eternal. And whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Hallelujah. If it's in the will of God, if it's in the word of God, if it's in the purpose of God, you can find it in a promise of God. I said, if it's in the purpose of God, you'll find it in a promise of God. He's not going to have a purpose and not reveal it with a promise. There's a friend of ours that I just took him a bowl of, it wasn't even homemade soup. Went to Panera Bread and got some chicken noodle soup when he had the flu. He was good to my mother-in-law. And he's a crusty old guy. I hope you don't hear this tape. But we love him. And I'm going to put some icing on that. He's a crusty old guy. But, he, but he's a nice guy, and he's a good guy, and he's a big-hearted guy, and he's like a chicken pot pie. It's crusty on the top, but if you get through the crust, there's some good stuff down in there. Can you say amen? And he, he wants to, he, he purposed in his heart. He purposed into his, in his heart. He's got a dog that he loves, and he thinks that he's going to go before me or my wife goes. He thinks that. Of course, I'm the one who had the stroke, not him. But anyway, he thinks that. And so he told us what he purposed. He said, I've made a will. And I want y'all to be the executor of my will. I want my family to have one of them 60%, one of them 40% or whatever's left. But I want you to have, I want you to take my doggy. You got to take my doggy. People have been trying to give us dogs for 10 years now. <laughs> but he told us that, you know, if he would give us $5,000 if we'd take care of his doggy. And I reconsidered. <laughs> and if you don't reconsider, <laughs> send that dog over to my house. We'll build a fence around we'll build a fence on the front yard and bring that thing in i got a pooper scooper i can pick it right up and i'll give you five thousand dollars for being the executor and i put it in writing i didn't just promise it i put it in writing so if i die tomorrow lawyer's going to call you and he's got it and it's in writing and it's notarized and it's certified So, if he should beat me to heaven or wherever he's going, amen, I'm expecting the call from the lawyer. What he purposed, he promised over the phone. And what he promised, he put in writing. I don't know if you realize this or how much you realize it. But what God has purposed, He's promised. And what He's promised, He's put in writing. You know what He said about the writing of what He purposed and promised? He said, heaven will pass away, earth will pass away, but my word will abide forever. 
Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How can we be confronted with a God who has been so absolutely clear? Hallelujah. Amen. So absolutely clear about his purpose. Did you know what? I can walk out on that street and I'm authorized by the promise of God right in the word here today. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm authorized. You're authorized to go out in that street as a pipe, as a priest. You know what you are today? You may not have on a coat and tie and have a minister's license or even be appointed to be a pastor or a preacher, but you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ today. And when you hear that scripture that generally preachers just claim for themselves, touch not my anointed. <laughs> Amen. And do my prophets no harm. It's just the preacher. It's not none of you guys. You're not anointed. Amen. And oh, oh I'm, I beg your pardon. Can you say man? You are anointed. You are anointed. You have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. You better read it. I don't have no glasses on. Can two walk together except they be in agreement? Absolutely not. And that's what reconciliation. That's what getting anything out of the way between us and God is all about. Amen. We can't walk in the Spirit. We can't talk in the Spirit until we are right with God. And that glory of restoration. Hallelujah. Praise God. There be any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall. That's so we can believe when we're praying. Shall. I got, I've said it a hundred times. I'm going to say it a thousand if I live long enough. I love the way God talks. No wonder faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word because the way God, I don't love the way preachers talk and theologians talk when they're trying to apologize for God. When they're trying to explain away what he clearly said. Just because we're not experiencing it or seeing it, we doubt God and we doubt his word. Had a preacher friend of mine that has never prayed for the sick in his church with anointing oil, James 5.14 that I'm quoting you. So he tried it one Sunday. Of course, you see, he, didn't, he just wanted to see if it was going to work. That's not the prayer of faith. It's not, let's see if this works. Let's just see. And he said, I prayed for three people, and it didn't work. Well, the problem is praying and believing when you're praying is two different things. When you pray. Whatsoever things you desire, when you, Jesus said this. I didn't say this. Jesus said, when you pray, believe. Now, my flesh, your flesh, and our, our general attitude toward prayer is, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to try to believe. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to try to stand on the Word and use my faith. No, it's supposed to happen while we are praying. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you what? Receive them. David had it. David had it. The day that I pray, my, the day that I, it happens when I pray. It don't happen when I see it. It happens when I pray. 
The day that I pray, mine enemies turn back. It might have been a month later. It might have been six months later. It might have been a battle that lasted a year. But he said, when they turn back is not when it really happened. That's when it manifested here. It really happened the day that I prayed. Can you say amen? The very day that I pray, mine enemies turn back. This I know, thou art for me. I have no doubt that you're going to hear my prayer. I have no doubt that you're going to deliver. I have no doubt that you're going to come through. I'm not going to wait to see and try to believe. I'm going to believe that when I pray, it's done. Hallelujah. Because I know you're for me. And the devil don't want you to know God is for you. He wants you to doubt if God is for you. We don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly with courage and confidence before the throne of what? grace that we might obtain what mercy and grace to help in the time of any need how which comes first it's very clear amen grace can't flow unless god is merciful and listen perfect people don't need mercy remember i told you the story and i got to tell it again for the people that didn't hear it i wish we had a church full of new people because i got a bunch of old stories to tell that you've heard a hundred times. But I don't know a better story. My cousin, David Hopper, was he was a photographer for Olin Mills. He got robbed one time after leaving a McCrory's taking pictures because they knew he had the money. Back then, people paid with real money back in the day. You remember back before credit cards? And before you had a bank account? When all you had was real money. <laughs> and, and he had the satchel with the real money in it. And, and they run him off the road on Highway 301 and robbed him. And you don't make that much taking pictures. But he used to tell the story of a photographer. Olin Mills photographer went into a little town. And a lady that had never been married and grown old and quit taking care of herself and kind of just let herself go because she wasn't in the husband. You know, it's different when you're hunting a, a mate. You, you kind of, you know, fix yourself up. Yeah, yeah. A little, little, uh, I used to wear old spouse to impress Pamela back in the day. Old Spice, I'm sorry. Amen. And she would, she would put on oil of old lady and make sure he had, she had that smooth skin. Anyway, she just wasn't pretty. And, and you know, you don't want to be unkind, but, but uh, this, this photographer had spent a lot of time posing her and taking pictures of her. Because you know how it is. They want to sell you the whole thing. They don't want to sell you one five by seven or an eight by ten. They want to sell you the whole package. And so he was prepared to sell her the package. And he brought in all the pictures. And, and she looked at every one that he took and all the different angles and different lighting and, and, and nothing. You know, there's some things that, that you can't fix. You just, the camera just, you know, it's kind of like a mirror. <laughs> she looked at all of them. She didn't like any of them. She wouldn't even buy the 8 by 10 
She didn't want none of them. He said, ma'am, don't you want one? What about this one? No. What about that one? No. And he spent two hours taking all these pictures, and then he got them back and presented them. And, and another hour of presenting them all, he's got three hours invested, and she don't want none of them. And he said, but what about this one right here? This one, look at, reconsider that one. And she said, she said I'm going to tell you the truth. None of these pictures do me justice. And, of course, he was exasperated, and he said, Ma'am, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> Amen? You know something? Every one of us in this room, we don't need justice. We need mercy. Can you say, man, and blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And when we come before the throne of grace, where God wants to grant grace, we come primarily to obtain mercy. And after we obtain mercy, then He grants grace to help in the time of any need. Every time we pray, we need to come before one throne, not the great white throne where judgment is occurring. But we come before the throne of grace. Did you know you're going to stand before the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ? But it's not going to determine where you spend eternity. That's the great white throne. You've got to distinguish them. It's still a grace throne. You'll be ashamed for things you should have done and could have done and didn't do, and you'll be rewarded for things you could have done and you actually did it. And if you did it with the right motive out of love, you'll be rewarded for it, but your soul is not on the line. Amen? That's not where you weighed in the balance to see if your good works and the other junk, amen, which one weighs out. It's not justice. It's mercy. It's mercy. Let me, let me tell you where faith originates. It originates in his, his merciful nature. Not just His power, but His personality, His character, His makeup. <laughs> Son of David! There's a blind man and Jesus is coming. He's heard of the healings. And He hears this, this, this all of these people making all of this noise, and he knows Jesus is going to be passing right in front of me. And as he hears the crowd getting closer, he begins to cry out, Son of David, I'm standing on your word. I'm believing you. Son of David, you've got all power. You, you can heal me. No, Son of David, have mercy on me. If I can touch your heart of mercy, you will touch with your power and goodness. If your heart is touched by my need, we don't have a high priest who can't be touched. Hallelujah. That's why he offers mercy primarily and then grace to help in the time of any need. What's the difference between grace and mercy? Remember this. Mercy, you don't get what you do deserve. I sowed mercy. If you look at the back of my Astro van, parked when I bring it in, a guy hit me, an old guy. I hate to say that, Brother Taylor, because he's about my age. 
<laughs> Isn't it awful when you get my age and people my age, you call them old guys? Terry, it's coming. <laughs> I can tell you it's coming. But an old guy wasn't watching where he's going. He, he, he didn't break in time and he hit the Astro van. He had a brand new F-150 F truck. But I think he was about to lose his license or something. Because when he got out of the truck, not only was he apologizing, he was crying. He was crying. Tears were running down his cheeks. He said, sir, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And his grill is all messed up because of, you know, my Astro van has that hitch in the back. You know, that big hitch that could pull a trailer and got all-wheel drive. You know, it was made for tough stuff that F-150 made for looking pretty. Amen. And when pretty hits tough, pretty loses and tough wins. I felt sorry for his truck. And I looked at the back of my Astro van and all I cared about, can I open the back door? And I could. You know, it mashed the bumper up, but I can pull the door over it and open it and close it. And it pulls and opens just fine. And I thought, you know, I can, we can get the law out here and we can see what we can do. But I, I'm just, I don't know. I felt, I felt the need to sow some mercy. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt the need to be merciful to anybody. Did I have the legal right to claim whatever? Sure. Should I have done it? Sometimes I look at the back of that and I said, His insurance company, Rich, they could fix that thing. But see, if he has points against his license and he's afraid he's going to lose his ability to drive, uh, your insurance is going to go up and stay up. If you've got enough points against your license, they're going to pull them. And he had some issue like that because he was crying. And when I got out, I'd, I got out with mercy in my heart. I already got out with mercy in my heart. You've heard of the road rage stuff and all that nonsense. I got out with mercy in my heart. And I, and I, I told him, I said, listen, it's okay. If I can open these doors, we just, it'll be okay. And he said, and he began to thank me in tears. Or, he's, they're just streaming and dripping. And I thought, you know. And then I felt bad for not standing up for myself and letting, you know, getting them out there and getting my thing fixed. He hit me. And, but I sowed mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Can you say, man, it's going to come back to me. It'll, it'll be more important to obtain mercy than to get my bumper fixed. I don't know if you understand. Now, I'm talking about me. I mean, you may not, you may be sitting there thinking, "I'll get my bumper fixed now." Well, you may, maybe someday you're going to have an opportunity to show mercy, and unless you think you'll never need it, I would strongly suggest that you show it. Can you say, man? Because blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In mercy, you don't get what you do deserve. He deserved a ticket. For following too close. He deserved to have his insurance company himself fix my van. That's what he deserved. But mercy, when mercy flows, you don't get what you do deserve. Let's distinguish grace from mercy. In grace, you do get what you don't deserve. Amen? By grace you're saved. You don't deserve that. You can't earn that. You can't merit that because it means unmerited favor. Hallelujah. And when you come to the throne of grace, the primary objective is mercy 
and then following mercy, grace to help in the time of any need. And every time you pray, you must come to the throne of grace because you can't come sinlessly perfect. Some sin of attitude or action. And you can't come just being a ranked sinner in rebellion against God. That's not what grace is for. It's not to cover and conceal. It's to forgive and restore. Can you say, man? And God can't forgive and restore unless we confess our sin. The Bible said in 1 John, if you say you have no sin, I'm saying that bad word again. Amen. If you say you have no sin, God says you're lying. You're not being dishonest. You're disingenuous. You're not being truthful. But if you confess your sin, acknowledge it and confess it, God is faithful to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and iniquity. God said, I am in the restoration business. But I have to have people that will humble themselves, get rid of their pride, and so that I can deal effectively with their sin. Because sin has always been and still is an issue. It is a separator. You know what God said to ancient Israel? He said, my ear is not heavy that I can't hear. And my hand is not weak or short that it cannot save. But your sin has separated between you and your God. Can you say, man, listen to me. God wants to eliminate that negative factor in our life so that there's nothing. That's why when David confessed his sin, he said, it's all changed now. I'm getting the joy of his salvation back. Salvation in the Old Testament context is not saved by the cross and the blood because that did not occur until the cross and the blood was shed. The word salvation in the Hebrew meant God's deliverance. When someone prayed and God came through and delivered, God manifested Himself in an answer to prayer to help or deliver. It's called salvation. And He said when that begins to be restored when I see my prayers answered again when I see God come through when I have God on my side when God helps me when I'm in trouble when God heals me when I'm sick when God delivers me when I'm in a battle hallelujah restore unto me the joy that I had when I walked off that battlefield after slaying that giant can you say man hallelujah hallelujah it's hard to teach without preaching. But it's important that we get it. And who is Satan to us? The devil, Diablo. Diablos is the word in the Greek and it means a maligner. Well, who is he maligning us to? Primarily to God. He's called in Revelation chapter 12 the accuser of the brethren. And he never lets up. He accuses them before God day and night. And the only defense we have is our advocate. The Bible said in God's courtroom where justice must be served, we have an advocate, we have representation. We have a barrister. Hallelujah. We have one that pleads our case. And you know what he pleads it with? His own shed blood in our behalf. 
Hallelujah. We have an advocate with the Father. Now is the accuser of our brethren cast down. That How often does he do it? That accuse them before God day and night. Satan is a fallen angel. And he can't be saved. He sinned in perfect light. We sinned in the darkness of a fallen world. And that's why mercy and grace is offered us. When angels sin in perfect light, it's different than when people sin in the blindness of a sin-darkened world. Listen to me. Grace and mercy is flowing to us today. And they overcame Him. How did they do it? By living so perfect, He had nothing to accuse them of. Absolutely not. No man can do that. Else Christ didn't need to go to the cross. How to, what can we plead? Hallelujah. What can we, what, what can we depend on? What, what, in order to have receiving faith and not be disqualified from believing when we pray, what can we plead? Nothing. 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 But the blood of Jesus. But that's enough. That's enough. When I see the blood, hallelujah, when I see the blood, when I see the blood. He doesn't have to come inside and examine everybody under a microscope in that household. When I see the blood, I'm looking for one thing. You quit looking for something else. Don't look for what I'm not looking for. When I see the blood. When I see, that's what this is a derivative of the Passover today. Amen. What we did started with a Passover meal and became a Holy Communion celebration. And what were they celebrating? The Passover, the death angel, the judgment is coming to Egypt, and a, and a child is going to be killed out of every home with a child. The firstborn is going to die, and the death angel is marching through every home in Egypt. But instructions were given. Take a lamb without spot and blemish, a perfect lamb out of the herd. Slay that lamb. Catch the blood in a basin. Take the blood and put it on the doorpost of your home. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Can you say, man? The blood speaks to God. And they overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb. Amen. And the word of their testimony. I have a testimony. I have been cleansed. I have been forgiven. I have been pardoned. My sin is has been obliterated. It's been washed away. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Religion practiced to the ultimate degree can't do it. But the blood of Jesus can and it did. They overcame Him. As what? The accuser. And only... This is not power. This is not... You don't... This is not power against power. This is faith in the finished work of Jesus against the accuser of the brethren. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. Hold fast your profession. 
literally confession of faith. That word confession in the Greek means to say the same thing as another. You don't say what you think. You don't say what you feel. You don't say what other people are saying. You say what he said. Can you say, man, hold fast your profession of faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Can you say, man, hallelujah. He is faithful that promised. Hold fast your confession of faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. He's going to honor your faith in his faithfulness. He's going to watch over his word to perform it. Heaven and earth is more uncertain than his word. It will pass away, but my word will abide forever. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I love to get in the Word of God. And I love to get the Word of God in me. Praise God. You don't have to preface every prayer with if it be thy will. Because a lot of His will is right there in His Word. If our friend should go to heaven before us, and he'll probably outlive us all. I'm not looking for the money. But that's what he wants. He ain't got too many friends. And when you're sick in bed with the flu and nobody wants to get in a mile of you, and somebody comes in your house with hot soup and fresh bread and butter, Pepsi-Cola, you've got a fever, can't hardly get up, and they come in and hand it to you. Back away. Amen. That's mercy. That's mercy. What God purposes to let us know what His purpose is, He puts it in a promise. This is a New Testament. This is His will and testament. And when does it go into effect? When we believe. And when He dies on the cross, this is in effect. Amen. Everything He promised through what He would do on the cross when He died and rose again, it validated everything that's right here. Praise God. So the day that I pray, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray. Now, if you can defeat the accuser of the brethren by pleading the blood of Jesus, you've got to defeat another accuser. And that's people who won't forgive you and won't forget and won't let you forget. Amen. How many know people are not quick to forgive? If you don't believe it, look in the mirror sometime. Amen. It's not easy to forgive people that you feel justified in not forgiving. But when you come to the Lord, you can't do that. The Bible said if God, not because anyone deserved it, if God for Jesus' sake, and the only reason He forgave you is Jesus' sake. It is the blood. If God for Jesus' sake forgave you, so ought you. It's the, the word means owe to you. This is a debt that we owe everybody that wrongs us. Because we've received forgiveness, we can't withhold forgiveness and be right with God. Freely you've received, freely give. If God, for Jesus' sake, forgave you, so ought we to forgive one another. When you stand, here again, here's that crucial place. 
when you stand praying, if you have aught against any, you don't pray and then try to get things all right so God can answer. When you're praying, you have to be ready to do this when you, when you start calling on the Lord. You need to get this done before we go home today because you never know when you're going to need an answer prayer. And most of the time when I need an answer prayer, the crisis is there, I don't have a whole lot of time to go back and go through some repentant process. I need an, I got to have help now. I have been, I was in a Tampa electric truck when I was bivocational work for Tico. An old couple <laughs> there again, amen, pulled out in front of me in that line truck that I was in charge of driving. I'm doing 45 miles an hour, but when someone don't even see you, don't even look and pulls directly in front of you, there's two reflex things, three actually that occur. Number 1, hit the brake. Number two, cut the wheels so you don't, that truck would have crawled right up on top of them and crushed them both inside. It wouldn't have hurt me. It would have killed them. I hit the brake, reflex, hit the brake, cut the wheel. There was another reflex, Sister Dale. There's another reflex. Jesus. And I didn't say Jesus like, you know, the world might holler Jesus when something's going wrong. I called on the one that I knew. That in a split second of time can be right there. I remember that truck. My truck flipped over. And I'm on the driver's side. I'm looking up at the passenger door. There's a tank with 40 gallons of extra gas to run my controls. And it's called a belly tank because it's right under my door. And if it had ruptured and it caught on fire, I'd, I did a, did a you know, crispy critter. That's all I would have been. I would have been a crispy critter. But you know, and 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 I I landed in front of two gas pumps, and people couldn't see past the truck to the gas pumps. Didn't know if it ruptured a gas pump, so they were hesitant to come see about me. I'm laying in there seeing about me, and I didn't know if I was hurt or not, bleeding or not. But I knew that I knew that I knew because I did three things by reflex. Hit the brakes, cut the wheel. Jesus. Bang! It's over. It's done. My faith is in the Lord. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. It was about to happen. Praise God. Amen. Finally, somebody got the nerve because all my radiator now is smoking and they think the thing might catch on fire and they don't want to get involved but somebody runs over jerks open the passenger door and says are you okay and i said yes i am and i didn't know if i could be able to stand up i didn't know if i was bruised i reached up and grabbed that hand and he yanked me up out through the passenger door and i jumped down to the ground by then People saw everything was going to be all right. Then they come to see what's going on. And they were looking me up and down, you know, to see if I was bleeding or dying or whatever. Amen. And then one of them said, man, I saw what happened. I saw it happen. You sure are lucky. And the moment he said lucky after I'd called on the Lord and the Lord delivered me, I felt the Holy Ghost rise up and want to slap him. I didn't. I don't slap people to use the word luck. I just... You know what? Indignation. How dare you talk to me about luck when God just delivered me? And I just said it out loud. I said, listen, luck had nothing to do with this. I called on the Lord and the Lord delivered me. 
Everybody said, okay, okay. <laughs> I guess he's all right. Amen. And not only that, but the guy that saw it happen was an off-duty Plant City police officer. And when the police came, he said, I wasn't charged. He said they pulled out. He had nothing. He saved their life. If he hadn't done what he did, he would have been on top of them and crushed their car. And so not only, and we had to go to court uh, with that and found out the man had three failure to yield right away tickets already. And they cleared me compute, not only cleared me, and they have an, they have an investigation they really want to nail you when something goes wrong. That is their intention. What could I have done to avoid that damage to the truck? But when they thought about getting sued by the people I killed, uh, they thought, you know, we can fix the truck. <laughs> it ain't going to cost near as much. And he has no personal injury, so we don't have to give him no compensation. Everything is okay. They shook my hand and kind of give me the hero thing. You did a good job, Bob. And I thought, all of this could... If nobody saw the accident, Tampa Electric could have been on me for... Why, why didn't you do this? Why were you going 45? Because it's a 45 zone. Why didn't you hit the brakes? Because it's too late to not cut the wheel. I'd have been on them. Brakes wouldn't stop that big old line truck. Ah, and I came out of it. Smelling like a rose. With a testimony. Hallelujah. God's deliverance. But I didn't have time to start trying to get right with God or trying to build my faith. I only had time to call upon the Lord. And that's all the time I needed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have whatsoever you Say, as long as it's in the will of God, you will have what you say. You know why you'll have what you say? Because he said it first. And what he's loosed in heaven. When we say it, and not until we say it. What he's released in heaven, we release on the earth. Hallelujah. So my tests keep coming. And my testimony keeps growing hallelujah i said my tests keep on coming and my testimony keeps on growing hallelujah let let me close with this people will accuse you people will accuse you one time i went to pray for a lady that was demon possessed they called me at 1 o'clock in the morning because a bunch of young people had tried to cast the devil out and he refused. He told them no. <laughs> so they called me. They decided, well, we better get the preacher down here. So I got down to a place in Sulphur Springs where some young, dedicated Christian young men were trying to cast the devil out of this person. And I walked in, and I had never cast the devil out. At that time. So I didn't know, you know, I, I, I knew that I knew that I had authority because I'm a child of God. I know there's power in Jesus' name. And I walked in, kind of, you know, the devil didn't know I was scared because I hadn't opened my mouth yet. Amen? Amen. So 
He's not omniscient. God's omniscient. He knows what's in your heart. The devil don't know. Only, only way he knows what's in your heart is when you open your mouth. If he hears you say, I can't take anymore, I declare I can't take anymore. He says, turn the thumb screws down on them, boys. They're almost, almost defeated. How do you know? Because they said so. And they keep on saying so. But I walked in, and I'd never done it before, but I knew I had the authority. I knew there's power in Jesus' name. And the person with eyes tightly closed, never opened them. And I'm looking at this person that they're praying over. This person, without turning around, without looking, without opening the eyes, said, Why did you have to come? Oh, look at him. Look at him. He knows who I am, I reckon. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. (laughs) And I know you. Can you say, man, when you know who you are, the devil knows who you are. If you haven't figured out who you are, then he ain't never going to let on that he knows who you are. But if you know who you are in Jesus Christ, and you know who Jesus Christ is in you, and you know the power and authority that he's vested in his name, hallelujah. And I didn't want to take time to play around. I just walked over and said, yes. And he said, said, who are you? Well, he knew who I was when I walked in. Who are you? I said, it's not who I am. It's who I serve and who I represent. I said, I'm not going to command you to leave in my name. I'm going to command you to leave in my master's name and my Lord's name and your master's name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you hold your peace and you come out. And at that point, the devil didn't have any other defense. He had no defense against the authority of Jesus' mighty name and someone that knew they had the authority to use that name. Hallelujah. To get God's will done. Glory to God. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, they will tread on serpents. In my name, they will cast out devils. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've never forgot... Amen. That uncertainty that turned to certainty when I saw the greatness and the glory of God and the power vested in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. It all has to happen when you pray. When you pray. So the faith to receive has to get in us before we pray. And that brings us to the third accuser. There are people that will never forgive you. Never forget. Always try to disqualify you from, from even being forgiven. You know what happens when somebody comes out of jail? They have a hard time getting work because of that conviction. Sometimes it pushes them back toward crime. And they need an opportunity. Because the ultimate work of the prison system is really to send somebody back out that can be a functioning person in society, not somebody's going to jack your car. Can you say, man, steal from you, kill you? 
And what people say, I paid my debt to society. I shouldn't be treated. If it's paid, if it's paid, if the sentence was 10 years, it's been adjudicated and I've served every day of it, then I ought to have an opportunity. Can you say, man, because I've paid my debt. A friend of mine, I want you to know, you couldn't pay your debt that you owed to God your sin debt, but Jesus paid it for you. And when you come out of the prison house of sin and shame, you should be able to say my sin debt not the half but the whole was paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross hallelujah and devil you can't strap that on me anymore you can't put that on me anymore you can take your old bony pointed finger and point it right back at yourself because God won't let you point it at me and then there's a third Real close to home, accuser, that you must defeat to have confidence in God, and that's your conscience. God put the conscience in you to convict you of sin. But once sin has been dealt with, He wants that conscience to be sprinkled from evil. And the Bible said the blood of Jesus is to sprinkle the conscience from evil, is to sprinkle the conscience from evil. You know what that means? All of those memories. I went to pray for a man that desperately needed healing of stomach cancer. I had known him as a friend. I had known him as a, a friend of my father's for years and years and years. And I was praying and interceding for him. And I went to the hospital to visit him. And when he was in church before he really got right with God, he played an instrument. He sang the songs of Zion with a group. But he himself had a weakness that he had never confessed and got delivered from. And it kept him in bondage, kept him in guilt, kept him in condemnation. And there he was, laying in a hospital bed, dying as the cancer was spreading. When I walked in, I walked in in faith, Sister Dale. I had been praying and interceding, and I, when I pray, I believe. And I went there to lay hands on him. I had me a little bottle of oil in my pocket. I said, I'm going here on business for the king. We're going to claim James 5.14. Because since that time in his life, he had ded dedicated his life to the Lord, repented of his sin. God had forgiven him, but he hadn't forgiven himself. His own conscience was not sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I laid hands on him. I said, I'm going to pray that God deliver you and I'm going to curse that cancer in the name of Jesus Christ right here and right now, today. I wanted his faith and my faith to blend together. Two can't walk together except they agree. I wanted him to come in agreeing faith. We already got God's agreement. James 5, 14, we got the oil. I got the faith in God. Hallelujah. Not because of something great about me, but because God is faithful. I trust the Lord because He's trustworthy. Can you say, man, it's no big deal when you discover that about God. And I said, are you ready to receive it? Because that's what God unctioned. See, it's not trying to get God to give it. It's getting us in a place of faith to receive it. And he said, 
He said, Pastor, back, and he, he went back in his life. He went back B.C., before Christ. He went back into the sins that he knew he was guilty of before he asked God to forgive him. And I said, listen, God forgave you the day that you asked Him. Hallelujah. As it is written, saith the Lord, here's what happens when God does it. I will cast their sins away from them as far as the east is from the west, and their sin will I remember no more. You know what that means? He will never associate you with those sins that are confessed and under the blood of Jesus. He will never associate you with that throughout all eternity. You need to get rid of that guilt baggage. Let us come what boldly before the throne of what grace. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. That we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. God was offering him mercy and grace and I believe healing. But he couldn't receive it because he had never accepted God's forgiveness. And that lack of acceptance of God's forgiveness is a lack of faith in a crucial area. Faith in the efficacy of the blood of Jesus. Faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. We need our faith built up in that area. But when it is, the devil can accuse us. God won't accuse us. And our conscience will be sprinkled with that blood, convincing us it's gone. And it's gone forever. (laughs) Hallelujah. And when we pray, when we pray and we forgive our enemies, we pray with a clean heart and a clear conscience. The Bible said, if our hearts condemn us, that conscience is still there pointing the finger. God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. In other words, if God isn't condemning you, don't let your heart do it anymore. Because God knows all of that stuff, and He says, as far as I'm concerned, that never happened. (laughs) Hallelujah! Come on! Either your sin is gone, or you still got it clinging to you. Amen! But if it's gone, it's gone! And God says, as far as I'm concerned, it's gone! Amen? In the New Testament, sin is not only forgiven, it's remitted. And there's something called justification. It's a forensic term. You can't be tried twice for the same crime. If you are acquitted, the prosecuting attorney had better pack up all of his evidence and throw it in the garbage can because he can't bring it back in the courtroom. Can you say amen? Woo! Oh, somebody give God praise today. He can't bring it back in the courtroom. Hallelujah. 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 If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. But if our hearts condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. That means when I pray, David said, I know what happened to my sin. It's gone. It's forgiven. I'm pardoned. I'm reconciled. And the day that I pray, my enemies turn back. This one thing I know, God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amazing thing was when I grew up in Pentecost, the greatest thing a pastor evangelist can do is get everybody in the altar. So we try to convince everybody how awful they are. 
And you may, may have some ugly stuff you need to deal with, and you need to deal with it in a positive, powerful, personal way. But just keeping saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, instead of turning and walking in this glorious light that we have in Jesus. God wants you to receive because He wants to be glorified in the answer. Hallelujah. 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 To Him that ordered His conversation aright, to Him will I show the salvation of my God. Can you say amen? Glory to God. I'm glad that I was washed in the blood, that when we had communion, any known sin, it was an opportunity to be confronted by any known sin, anything that God is showing me. I want it dealt with. I want it under the blood before I walk out of the building. But when I walk out of this building and it's under the blood, I'm not going to try to drag it up. And the devil can't drag it up and our conscience shouldn't drag it up. Our conscience sprinkle from evil. That's when peace comes. Amen. Who was the, uh, the guy that uh, he's, a, he, he's a psychologist, a famous psychologist? Freud, not him. Some, Sigmund Freud, probably. He, he had a lot of people in a mental institutions that he visited. There's some, one of those, you know, intellectual, scientific minds, whatever, but he said something so true. He said, all these patients in this asylum. He said, if I could convince them that they were forgiven. If I could convince them that they were forgiven. See, we keep layering in baggage and guilt and shame. And it begins to psychologically, not just spiritually, but psychologically affect us. If I could convince them they were forgiven. He said 80% could walk out of this institution. That's an amazing thing for a psychologist to say. Because he knew guilt was one of the major things. Why do people hang themselves, shoot themselves? There's guilt, there's shame, there's pain, there's unresolved things in their life. And God says... You that labor, and you that are heavy laden, you that are bowed down under that heavy load, come to me and learn of me and take my yoke on you. Hallelujah. And you will find what no pill can give you, no asylum can achieve. Rest for your soul. That's peace right here in your mind and peace right here in your heart. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? When you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have and you shall have and right now what's occurring is the faith to believe when you pray that's what all this teaching is about and god said just wait son just wait amen people in bondage people in defeat are going to come out of the bondage they're going to come out of the defeat they're going to know my victory hallelujah because they're going to pray and believe when they're praying and they're going to receive what I have purposed and what I have promised. If hath he not said it, and shall he not do it? Can you say amen? The promises of God are what? Yea and amen. Be it unto me according to thy word. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you excited about receiving? 
do you want to receive an answer so God can be glorified and you can get the help you need down here in this old fallen world? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. It needs to be just like a reflex. Jesus, call on me in the time of trouble. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we just praise you today. We just praise you today. Let's just begin by giving him a wave offering. He's worthy today. There's burdens in here and there's all kinds of discouragements and distractions. But God wants our attention right now. He wants to renew a right spirit in us. Hallelujah. And that involves not only, amen, purity, but also a pure faith that's based on an exclusive trust in Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The day that I pray, mine enemies turn back. This I know. God is for me. Hallelujah. And Paul summed it up, didn't he? What more shall we say to these things if God be for me? Who can be against me? Glory to God. Glory to God.